Welcome to another episode of Running on Optimism, the podcast for amateur runners or really anyone drawing inspiration from something or someone in their lives to achieve new goals. I'm Sonia Rita, and today I get to chat with Amanda Brooks, run coach, creator of Run to the Finish, and author of the book, Run to the Finish, the everyday runner's guide to avoiding injury, ignoring the clock, and loving the run. It was Amanda's out-of-the-box couch-to-marathon plan that helped me return from a stress fracture in May and complete my first marathon this past November. So I was so excited to pick her brain on running and, of course, share her story on when she decided that run to the finish was the direction she would take her running. I'm really excited to chat with you for a lot of reasons. Um, One being that it was actually your couch-to-marathon plan that helped me complete my marathon, but we'll fast forward to that a little later when we talk more about your coaching. Um, So let's just start off with, tell us who you are, where you're from, and when you started running. Oh, sure, that really excites me. I can't wait to chat about that. Um, So my name is Amanda Brooks. I am the creator of runtothefinish.com. So that's a website I started way back in 2007 when blogs were like this brand new thing. And at the time it was really my social media way of connecting with other runners. And it really just kind of kept growing over the years until about 2012, where it became my full-time job. So I really was able to put that journalism degree to work doing the researched articles that I so love. Um, So I started running during college. And at the time, there was a group of friends who were going to do a road trip to do a half marathon. And it just sounded like so much fun. I played sports, but I was not a runner. So this, I don't know that it ever occurred to me to start with a 5k. I just dove right into that half marathon. um, And I've just been going ever since. So what sports did you play? So as a kid growing up, I did softball and basketball and soccer. And then in high school, I did swim team and volleyball. So, I mean, I kind of tried it all. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And it's funny um, that you mentioned being a journalist. I also was a journalist in the long, long ago. Um, And I guess that's kind of where this whole podcast thing came about too. Just, I always love talking to people. Um, You like the research part of it. I just love getting people's stories. So that's really, really cool. I had no idea that part. Yeah, it's fun. I do think there are very different sides to it. I would say I'm probably not as good at interviewing people as I am the research piece. And that's because I just, I do love it. (laughs) That's funny. And I am the opposite. I always love doing like the feature stories. I did, I worked at a small um, newspaper in Greenwich, Connecticut, and then, um, yeah, when, when 2008 came and the housing crisis, it was kind of like, okay, um, I need something a little bit more stable. I think that happens to a lot of journalists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me about this half marathon. How did that go? Because you didn't start with a 5K or even a 10K. You went right for the half. How, how did that go? It went really well, actually. I mean, I was a college kid, so I feel like your body can just absorb that ridiculous punishment at that point in life. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't easy by any means, but I think I finished in, I don't know, 217 or something like that. I don't even remember now. Um, But I finished and thought, okay, like, I want to see if I can do better. 
And that's really where running gets you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that rabbit hole. It really, really is. So you worked on getting better. When did, like, what was the catalyst to make this your, your life, your true passion? I think really, like I said, I, I started the website in 2007. I started running like 2002. Um, and over the years, as the website just kind of kept growing and I was getting so many questions from people, I really wanted to make sure I was certified and then that I had the appropriate knowledge. And then I just kept learning more and writing more. And honestly, I hit a tipping point where in my current job, I was um, basically a Fortune 500 e-commerce consultant. Um, so it was a very intense job. Um, I was probably working 80 hours a week doing it. And then I was working 20 hours on the website and it just was kind of a choice of, um, I either am going to test this out and see if it's a career or I have to stop because <laughs> I'm spending my entire life working. Um, so I decided I would test it for a year and just see what would happen. And, and here we are almost a decade later. That's awesome. And that's super brave. I mean, I'm sure financially that was not an easy decision to make. Yes, it was certainly not an apples to apples um, yeah. thing that I was doing. So I sat down and did a lot of planning and a lot of, okay, what would this really look like if I suddenly lose that great income? And um, yeah, so that first year was a little scary, but it became apparent like, okay, there's something here. So I'm gonna try it for a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, it must also be, like you said, it's not an apples to apples career decision, but there must have been some pull that outweighed also the, the financial security. Was it from the running itself or from the helping people? It was a little of both. Also, it was this idea of, um, oh, the word being thrown around at the time, I think was lifestyle entrepreneur. And <sighs> it really struck a chord with me, like, I want to create a life that I'm really excited about living. I'm not terribly excited about 80 hours a week in corporate, <laughs> even though like I enjoyed the people I worked for, I mentally enjoyed it, but I was like, is that really how I want to spend my life and my days? And so I started thinking about, you know, even if this only made less, which now it makes significantly more, but even if it didn't, am I going to be more fulfilled? Am I just, am I going to feel more relaxed, less stressed? And I mean, for the most part, yes, there's certainly new stresses when you are now your own business, mm -hmm. um, but more flexible, I can, you know, travel freely and things like that. So it was really kind of starting to think about the life I wanted to live. And have you ever looked back and thought, wow, what if I had decided not to do this? What, what would life just look like? I mean, because what you put out in terms of your social media and your content on your website and, and your plans, because I also, um, through my marathon training, I also downloaded your 30-day core plan that I still do. It's kind of like a start-restart for me constantly mm -hmm. because life kind of gets thrown in my way. But um, everything that you put out there is so thoughtful and just seems to be, um, not just your business, but who you are. I, could you ever imagine what life would have been like if you had chosen differently? 
First, I really appreciate that. Um, oddly enough, I have a friend who stayed at the company I was at and kept kind of moving up the ladder. So I can almost see exactly what my life would have been like, um, which is very funny that it was a great company. They treat people really well. So her life is great too. Um, yeah. She spends way less time on social media than me. And I do envy that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, certainly there's always pros and cons, um, to both sides of it, I think. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things went. Well, you bring up a good point. So when you started, um, your business, it was, or started your website or started on this journey, it was through a blog and occasionally you might get comments, um, on that blog, but as it has evolved, how have you dealt with those challenges of constantly, being on social media because you open up to make a post, but you can't help to see what's in your feed, I imagine. Yeah, it is a much different world than when I started things. I mean, I really enjoyed the process of researching and writing. And now that is a small portion, it feels like, of what I get to do um, because social media is such a big part of it. And I love the community. I love the connections. It is a lot of fun to have those conversations with people who are training for their first marathon or the people I've gotten to know and the friendships I've made. Um, so I certainly appreciate social media, but at the same time, I will look at my phone usage and think, oh, my God, I spent two hours today on Instagram and that's probably a low day for me. Um, yeah. So it really is. And I do think of it that way, though. I think of it in terms of the business as building the community. Um, and so I don't always think about that as being work. So a lot of times I say I don't work that much. <laughs> um, and then my husband will remind me that I posted at 530 in the morning and I was responding to comments at 830 at night. So um, it does suck up a little bit of brain power sometimes that I wish I had back. You build a positive community, but are there times that it gets turned upside down and you have a fire to put out or have you not really faced that? You know, I haven't had anything terribly controversial. Um, I, honestly, like one of the random things that would pop up once in a while was the fact that like I only have female coaches or they thought all of my coaches looked too white. <laughs> I was like, well, A, you don't know anything about their actual heritage or history. Um, and I'm super proud to employ a bunch of women. So sometimes there's little things like that. But on the whole, I am super lucky. I do not deal with a lot of negativity or trolls Um I've had one or two um, and I usually call them out. Honestly, um, I kind of like to put people on blast for being rude. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the best way to deal with trolls. Um, I haven't had any um, on, on either of my pages because I have one for my running journey and then one for, for the podcast. Um, I have had, I used to journal more uh, on social media about my daughter's journey. And it's wild. Wild is an understatement. The things people might say on a sick child's social media. Um, I used to keep it just to help uh, people who are interested in updates. Um, uh, just I will say, yeah, that's one choice I probably made 
five or six years ago. So I know a lot of people who have been blogging as long as I have, and many of them are trolled nonstop because they are sharing a lot of personal information. And so that was a choice I made, at least in terms of the website, I pulled back. Um, The website has my personality, but I don't share very much personal stuff there. Um, And that was, that did become very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I've pulled back um, on there for her privacy too. It really was started just because there were people who wanted to know how she was doing and it was exhausting to keep everybody up to date, but for her, for her privacy, she's eight now. Um, I definitely pull back quite a bit. Um, It's, it's really social media is, I mean, I'm not the first or the last to probably have this conversation with anyone, but it's really great because like you said, I have made running friends through social media, which is really funny. We just kind of like message, message each other and like, great job on that last race or like, how's training going? And we've never met in real life. Um, so I love the upside to it. And then the downside is when you try to share, it does, um, can backfire sometimes. Yeah, it's very strange. So now I think it resonates more when I do share a personal post because I don't do it as often, but it's such a bizarre world, I guess, to sort of understand how people interact with things on the internet, um, And just that sort of distance they have of being behind a screen. And even when they know you, they don't know you. Mm -hmm. So they feel free to say things that if they saw you in person, they would never even dream of saying. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People flex big time on social media. And I know they would never be able to say that in person, but that's like a whole nother can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So tell me about... I want to know what I really, really, really always want to know from people is what is it about running that kind of gives you that, that fire, that passion for me, I feel like I have accomplished through running things that I never thought I could. I was never athletic. I always tried to skip that mile run in high school. Um, I didn't start running till I was, um, let's see, 32. Yeah, till I was 32, which is not super old, but, you know, a little later in life. Um, What is it that running does for you that makes you feel like you want to get up and do it again and help people with their own journey? Yeah, the word I always come back to is pride. So it doesn't matter if I run a mile or I run a marathon. Every time I finish, I think, oh my gosh, I am so proud of you because it's just, it's never easier. Like, I don't feel like, oh, I'm just a natural runner. This comes so easy to me. It's always that thing that is a little tough. And there is just this huge, wow, that's really cool that you chose to do something hard again today. And so every time I choose that, it says something to me about who I am and who I want to be and how I want to show up for the day. Um, and I don't know that I always consciously like I'm thinking those things because it's habit now. Um, but certainly every time I finish a run, I still have that like, Hey, you're pretty awesome sort of moment. Um, which is pretty cool. That is amazing. And I, I, it's something that I want to emphasize. Um, actually a a couple of things I want to emphasize one 
getting up and doing that hard thing every day, does hard look different for you every day? For sure. And I feel like that's something that um, runners might lose sight of is that effort is based on something different every day. There's so many different components that go into a run. Did you sleep well? Did you eat well? What was the day before like? Um, so hard does look different every day. And I think that a lot of people miss that. And then the second thing is feeling that pride, whether you run a mile or a marathon is something that I struggled with until honestly, until marathon training. Um, and even though I was going for this big goal, I learned that every mile counts regardless of how it's done, whether it's run or it's walked. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm constantly sort of hammering on people to let go of pace as any kind of indicator of your value as a runner. Um, And part of that is learning to run by effort so that you actually go easy and then you can go hard. Um, And yeah, I think many years of running is probably why I still appreciate that I can. Um, but I also went through a knee surgery. And so there was that sort sort of whole comeback process. And it reminded me again of getting back to that feeling of when you first started. And when you first started a mile was like amazing. And you just were, you know, overjoyed, you ran your first mile. And then for some reason we hit this spot where like a mile just doesn't count anymore. Or if I don't do five miles, it wasn't worth it. And I was like, that is so crazy. Like if you did any of it, it all counts. I love that you said that. It's so relatable. That happened to me along the way. And then I got the stress fracture, but we'll go back to that. I want to know more about your injury. What happened and how did you feel when you were injured? Did you have like some sort of like crap what am I going to do now kind of moment? Um, so I got injured on a trampoline. Um, everyone assumes it's running, right? As soon as you have a knee injury, it's running, but it wasn't, it was a trampoline. Um, unfortunately it took about eight months to get to the point where we decided to do surgery. And so then I had, so I had eight months of sort of kind of painful running, um, and then a full recovery after a surgery. Um, I think because I had been through many, many, many years prior, like a six month period where I couldn't run because of IT band, Mm. I was a little better equipped to handle it this time. Um, It was more of a, oh, if I'm not running, do I feel like talking about this every single day? Um, And I quickly realized I did. And that's where I kind of reframed it and went back to the like, well, now I can really relate to people who have gone through severe injuries, or now I can relate to people who are back at the beginning because I'm doing that process again. So I just, I I still don't say I'm grateful for the injury. I just don't buy that line. I'm not (laughs) grateful. (laughs) I would have been much happier to have stayed injury free, but I did use it um, in the best way I could, I think. Well, I think that's a mindset thing because there's so many things in life um, that you go through. And I think that we're conditioned to say, oh, well, your struggles make you stronger and you should be grateful. No, F that noise. It sucked. (laughs) Yeah. But 
I'm not going to sit here and wallow and cry about it. Now I'm going to take it and learn from it. Yes. Like, and that was it. I, and so I do, anytime someone is injured, I tell them like, have your pity party. You are allowed to feel sad and upset, especially like when we're training for something and it's taken away. So have that. Don't just like immediately say, ah, I'm fine. Cause it will, that does not work. So have your moment, like whatever, give yourself a week if you need to, where you are just full on upset about it and then create a plan and figure out what the plan is. So what can I do? What is available to me? What's the process to get stronger and back where I want to be? 100%. And I feel like even, um, as you said about your ITB, uh, injury prior to the knee injury, I, um, I recently talked to, to Shanna Miller, um, yeah, a week ago. Um, and she inspires me in that she started running later in life and never let that keep her from achieving more and achieving more. And you, I relate to your ITB issue. I haven't been running that long and ITB has been the bane of my running. Um, but here you are coaching other people, super healthy and just keep going. So I I'll continue thinking about you when I, well, hopefully I won't get injured again, but you know, it just kind of keeps happening. So, um, I keep pressing along and I'll, I'll think about you and, and where you are now and that the hard work does eventually pay off and you can run injury free eventually. Yes. I swear. If you keep doing that core challenge, your IT band issues will go away. <laughs> you know, it was so, so I started, I got the, uh, the stress fracture. I had started the, the core plan, but I think the stress fracture was already in the making. Um, so I got this stress fracture in May and I continued training, um, on the rower as per my orthopedist. And I kept working my core. And when I came back to running, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to complete this marathon and I had to do this marathon. Actually, let me rewind a little bit. I signed up for the New Jersey marathon that was to take place in April of 2020. So I started training back in October, November of 2019. And obviously the marathon didn't happen in April, also didn't happen when it was supposed to in October of 2020, didn't happen this past April. And actually it didn't happen this last October either. Uh, I had signed up for the New York City Marathon after my stress fracture because it was three weeks after the New Jersey Marathon was supposed to happen. And I figured it would give me some extra time. Um, so at that point, when I got the stress fracture and was making my comeback, I was trying to figure out how to make this happen. Like I just needed, I needed to do it for me, for my daughter. I wanted her to see me doing hard things and coming back from injury. Yeah. And I literally said to my husband, like a week before your plan came out, I was like, man, I wish there was like some sort of like couch to marathon plan. And we laughed because I'm like, that's ridiculous. Nobody gets up on the couch <laughs> and runs a marathon. And I kid you not a week later, I was like, holy shit, Marco, look at this. And there it was your couch to marathon plan. I had to adjust it because I think I was two weeks, 
two training weeks shy of what your plan had. So I adjusted it. Plus I had a decent fitness base, even though I was coming back from a, from an injury. Um, I'd been running for some time now, so I wasn't a complete couch marathon plan, but it offered me hope. And I feel like when you set these big goals, that's like half, half the struggle is believing that you can do it. And as, as silly as it might sound, knowing that there's a plan for me to be able to run, walk this thing helped me believe that it can happen, even if it takes me all day. And that helped me get back from, from my injury. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't say that I'm the biggest proponent of couch to marathon, but I just knew there are a lot of people who are kind of in a similar situation. They are coming back from something. They really want to do this and they aren't trying to go out and like crush a specific time. It's really like, can I get to the finish injury free? And that's such a big goal. People don't realize it's such a big goal. Um, and so sort of getting people out of their heads about run walk mm -hmm. and that it is still running and it's a tool that's incredible and makes it possible to increase your endurance and to really save your body as you're increasing that mileage consistently. That's exactly it. You know, there's this, I've spoken to a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I'm not really a runner. And I always say, did you get up? Did you lace up? Did you go out and run? Even if just for a few seconds, then you're a runner. And there is, and I suffered that too. I was like, well, if I run, walk a marathon, I'm not really like a runner, but 26.2 miles is nothing to sneeze at regardless of how you get it done. And just the same, a couch to 5k, it's just setting a goal and getting there however way works best for you. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you know, as runners, we tend to congregate around other runners. And so that's where we start to have these sort of ideas of like, oh, well, they're faster. So that's what a runner is. Um, but yeah, the truth is like the percentage of people who can actually finish a marathon is teeny, teeny, tiny. And yet for some reason we think it's like, well, everyone does it because that's the little bubble we're kind of mm. in now. Um, so yeah, once we kind of step back and look at the bigger picture, like, holy cow, 26.2 miles is phenomenal. And I actually have greater respect, honestly, for like, we've coached a number of runners who they've been out there over six hours and my respect for that is massive because the mental energy it takes to keep telling yourself, I'm going to keep moving forward. It takes a lot and it's really, really impressive. I agree. You know, my husband, um, the New York city marathon this past year that, uh, that he ran with me was his fourth marathon. Um, he's naturally athletic. My friends joke and they call him captain America because he's also like the sweetest person in the world and kind and athletic. It just kind of, it's pretty awesome. Um, but he wanted me to have this for myself. And so he said, I'm going to run New York City with you. It doesn't matter how long, 
even if I have to carry you across the finish line. And I said, well, no, please don't carry me. I want all of the steps to be my own, but hold my hand or if I need you, just be there. Um, and we finished in, I finished in five hours, 30 minutes and uh, 57 seconds. He finished in 53059 because he kind of nudged me ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for him, he kept reminding me that it's a different challenge. He's like, okay, I can finish a marathon in 3.30, but being out there for five and a half hours is a completely different concept. It's a completely different race and you have to prepare differently. And it's a mental game more than, more than running super fast. And so I really, really appreciated that because it made me feel like I am super tough mentally, even if physically I'm not as fast or as fit mentally, I am very fit. And that, that made me feel really good. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's a huge achievement. And I think, like he said, it's just different varieties of hard. So like being able to push yourself at the pace of a 330 is one kind of hard and being able to just keep going for an extended duration is a whole different kind of hard. So it's all, that's where it's like, yes, we're all runners. It's all equal. It's just, okay. We crossed at different times, but it's all the same. Yeah. And I just want to share a story of my, my daughter who, um, that Friday before New York city marathon, she, um, she got to participate in a one mile race. Um, it's called the run with champions. Uh, New York Roadrunners puts that on and uh, Meb was there and Jenny Simpson was there and that's like their, their big thing. Um, and so the, the race started and she's in a walker. Um, and as we're talking about finishing a race and doing things um, in our own way, she finished that one mile race in 30 minutes. She was dead last by like a good 10, 11 minutes, but she finished it and she finished it in her walker. And she felt so much pride. She wasn't looking around at what everybody else was doing and that all the kids were faster than her. She's like, well, I know I'm not going to move as fast, but I did finish the race. And I think that something that we can all kind of take away, just finish the best way that you can finish. Yeah. Run your own race. Yeah. That's awesome. That's exactly right. Um, so about ITB issues. Um, so like leading up to the marathon, I was kind of going crazy, like the, the taper crazy, like super self-doubt, super crazy and nervous about injuring and uh, injuring myself. And so I kind of pulled back on everything, including core and reflecting back. So at mile four of the race, I actually, my ITB just like was screaming at me screaming like it hadn't in months, not throughout my training. I was so good about doing all the core work. It's 10 minutes a day. It's not that hard. And somehow I neglected it. And my ITB just was screaming at me that day. And let that be a lesson to me to never skip core. Yeah. That hip and glute work. There's basically almost never enough that we can do as runners. It, it doesn't seem to matter, but pretty much every injury 
tends to come back to the power of our hips and our glutes. So yeah, anything we can do to be consistent with it adds up. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about the plan too, is that there's also the mobility component to it because that can also lead to injury if you're just working and hammering and hammering at it um, and, and not taking the time to get those joints and everything moving and flowing. For sure. And I think I like the mobility because it's kind of a reminder that mobility is about working on your full range of motion. So a lot of times we'll think about stretching because something is tight, but mobility is just a little different. And it really is for runners, you know, a big piece because we need our hips to have that full range so we can really get our legs moving the way we want. And that's a good point that I want to ask you about that's just kind of been like in my head because maybe a lot of people don't know the difference and you, and you touched on it, the difference between mobility and stretching and is static stretching ever okay for runners? Great question. So stretching is usually when we're thinking of static stretching, that's usually where you're holding yourself in a position for 30 seconds to a minute um, where mobility is you're continually moving in a range of motion. So a good example would be say a lot of people will do the pigeon pose, which is really great for that hip. But when you're doing it as a mobility move, move, you're actually raising and lowering your upper body from that place. And so you're just working into that hip a little bit differently. And what we're trying to really do is extend our range of motion. Static stretches, I think, feel great. And so from that perspective, they're really useful. I think for people who are sitting a lot, it does help to be able to stretch those hip flexors and hamstrings. Um, but static stretching is not required. So I get a lot of people who say, oh, I never cool down. And all I really care about is that you walk around for a little bit. Um, the stretching itself is generally just something that feels good. Um, but the data keeps kind of saying it maybe isn't exactly necessary. Okay, good. I feel better about not static stretching after my runs. I do walk. <laughs> I definitely walk after my runs, but then I come inside. I, you know, dogs are barking. Kid, Izzy's asking for something and I completely forget to finish what I'm doing. Yeah, so, so I'm get in that dynamic stretch before. So that's kind of moving through a full range of motion. Um, but then, yeah, I tell people don't, don't fret about your post run. Yeah. And I actually, um, I would often do the 10 minute core before my run as part of my warm up, And it just really got things moving and where they need to be and ready for my run. And I do, again, I think that helped me stay injury free through training. And then I completely sorry, the, the term, but I completely shit the bed right before, <laughs> right before the actual race, but I finished it. And that's what counts. And onto the next one, which actually I am thinking about Chicago 2022. And I wanted to ask you about Chicago 2021. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like 80 degrees. So it was, you know, not ideal conditions for running your best marathon. Um, it's a great course. The spectators are amazing. It's really easy to stay downtown, to walk to the start and walk from the finish. So you don't have to deal with like 
parking and transportation. So a lot of that stuff that can be stressful. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, on the whole, super would recommend it. Um, unfortunately, Chicago does have kind of a 50-50 shot of it being really hot. That's happened on a number of years. So the hotter it is, the higher your heart rate is and the faster your heart rate goes even higher. So it just means that your body is working extra hard. And for those of us who were going out there to have kind of a PR day, um, most of us about halfway through realized we were in trouble instead of having a PR day and just had to kind of slow down and have fun instead. Yeah. Um, there's not a, of people I know who ran Chicago, not a single one had an awesome race day. I just, it was humid too, right? Yes, it was super humid and hot. And so the, the combo of the two is where your body can't cool down. Um, and it, I think some folks I know who did train in the South didn't do as bad. Um, so like if I had been training in Florida, from the years that I lived there, I probably would have been okay. It wouldn't have been great, but I would have been okay. But training out here in Denver where it is so dry, and I think most of my runs were in the 50s or 60s, it just never was that hot for any of my runs. Um, I didn't have any sort of heat adaptation going into it either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but overall, how did you feel after the race when, when you go into it, hoping something and you get a different outcome, we all kind of deal with it differently. How do you deal with it? How does it make you feel? I mean, my immediate reaction was annoyed. I just felt really annoyed that I had worked so hard and that's how the day turned out. Um, because I knew I had more in me, um, Luckily, like a, I have a great support system and I've been doing this long enough that I was able to then in like the week that followed kind of say, you know what, like I still finished, um, I finished injury free. This is the first marathon I've done since I had knee surgery. The body feels good. And I know I can keep rolling right on with other goals. So on the whole, it was still a win. Um, and definitely left me though, with kind of that okay, I'm going to have to do another one because I've really got to see what I can do. So have you signed up for another one yet? I have not. I potentially was going to do um, CIM, the California International, mm -hmm. um, which would have been about eight weeks after Chicago. And initially it seemed like that was going to be totally fine. But a few weeks ago, I finally just realized my heart wasn't in it anymore. And so for now I've stepped back and I'm going to do a season of just really focusing on heavy strength and short speed and then kind of build back up next year. That's great that you're able to pull back and not just kind of steamroll forward. I think that um, a lot of people, when they have something in their heads, they're like, well, I got to get it done. No, you, you can if you want, but your heart has to be in it. Yeah, I mean, I figure it's 26 miles and it's a lot of training and you might as well enjoy it. So I thoroughly enjoyed my training leading up to Chicago um, and I wanted to make sure I didn't put myself in a spot where suddenly I was no longer enjoying my runs to sort of force a race to happen. So now you're going to, like you said, you're going to start working on strength and speed. What do you like more? Do you like the distance or do you like those speed workouts more? Or it just depends on the day. I've always been a distance runner, really. <laughs> so honestly, like this is the first time I think I'm going to 
truly put in like a consistent season that is really focused on like 5k 10k speed um I've run them in the past but not much it was always really kind of I might do one on the way to doing a a a longer race Mm -hmm. that's funny that's really really funny and my um my husband like I said he's he's run four marathons and he's trying for a BQ um he missed he missed it this past year. We did the, he did the Atlantic city full. I did the Atlantic city half as part of my training. Um, which by the way, I pause that, pause that thought. I wanted to just share about run walking. So I did the Atlantic city half as part of my training. Um, I had done a 19 miler the previous week and I was going to do a longer taper because of my injury. And so 13.1 seemed, I was, it was daunting because it was a race, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you did 19 miles and about run walking. It helped me really just enjoy the day. I have never finished 13.1 miles feeling that happy and able to give more of myself. Um, I talked to people while I was walking. I was able to make new friends, cheer people on, I just was so giddy that day. So run walking was just really aside from physically what I needed mentally and emotionally, it just really helped to be able to get out there and feel good the entire time. Yeah. It's such, such a great tool. So back to, to my point about my husband, he, um, so he missed a BQ by a minute 53. So he's going, um, He's hoping to do the Virginia Beach Marathon, um, St. Patrick's Day weekend. Um, But the one thing he says is that he really enjoys just going out and running and running long. The speed workouts, he absolutely hates speed workouts. While I actually really like speed, um, even though I'm not super fast, but relative, right? It's all relative. I love speed workouts. I feel like superwoman. Yeah, it's very funny. I mean, just even coaching, I've always kind of said there's a lot of different ways to get to an end result. And so we really try to figure out how to make training plans as fun as possible. Um, So there's a lot of different ways to do speed. I think a lot of it for me was I would get in my head about it being on a track And then I would feel like, yes, I was back to that timed mile that I hated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so finding different ways and kind of mixing it up, there are a lot of different ways to do it. And I think that's kind of one of the big things. But yeah, for me, I always felt a little more powerful just being able to go a really long ways. So it is a mindset shift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about running. It's so individual and what makes it so fun, especially, you know, we're not out there to win medals, although I won't run a race unless they're giving away a medal, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother <laughs> issue, a whole nother personal issue. But, um, so tell me more about coaching. What do you love about it? And what does it look like, um, to be coached by you? Oh, what do I love about it? So I think it's just really exciting. I love working with people who are newer or I lovingly call the middle of the pack. So you just sort of have this feeling of like, 
oh, there's so many pieces to put together. How do I put them together in a way that's right for me? I feel like there's more that I can do. And so it's really exciting to kind of work through that and really customize, you know, what does your week look like based on your life? Mm -hmm. So, okay, I get that your friend is doing this, but she's not working as much or she doesn't have, you know, kids at home. So let's see what actually works for you to have the most fun running and to stay injury free and really putting that puzzle together. Um, so at this point I have a team of nine running coaches. Um, so I only coach a handful of people because of the rest of the business that I have to run. Um, so most of my people who are on our team are now coached by one of the, them, or we have our online running group, um, where they have access to all of us. So, we have our virtual run club where I go in every week and do a live and answer questions. Um, so I'm helping hundreds of runners there, but I'm just not creating a custom plan for them. That's really cool that you've got so many different ways to be able to touch different runners, um, especially with the, with that virtual run and being able to do a nice Q and a, that's awesome. I love that idea. Yeah, I think part of the reason I created it was that a lot of people want a running coach, but it's maybe not feasible or they don't think they deserve, I think is the right word. They don't deserve a running coach because we sort of believe we need to be at a certain point to get one um, rather than benefiting from it so much at the beginning. So the running group gives them access to all of the courses that I have. It gives them access to all of these coaches and plus the support in there. So I think for me, it's just a really exciting place to see people have an affordable way to get better um, at something they love. And when you're coaching someone or when you're helping your coaches co coach someone, do you get to use that love of research? Like, let's, has there been like a unique issue that a runner has that you're like, whoa, I haven't encountered that. Let me see what we can do to help them. Oh, for sure. I mean, every runner is unique, right? And a lot of the times we get a coach because we are like, oh, but I have this issue. Um, so whether it's like, oh, I consistently have had ankle issues or um, we've had a number of issues um, or not issues, but we've had a number of runners lately who have come to us with immune uh, diseases. So whether it was... Um, Oh, I can't even think now, but a number of them. And so it's been sort of a fun process of, okay, how can we work hard, but not push your body too hard? And so sort of playing with that give and take every week of like seeing what's working. Um, and I think that's exciting when we see these runners finish a marathon who never thought they could because people had kind of said, Hey, with everything that's going on for you, you just can't. So instead we we found the process that would help get them there. Um, so all of the coaches work together, which is nice. Everyone obviously has their own runners, but because we have each other, we can bounce ideas off. So has anyone else seen this? Or we actually have three or four runners training for the dopey challenge in Disney. And so the coaches can kind of say, okay, how are you getting them ready for these back-to-back -back races and kind of share information, which is great. I, uh, I started tearing up when you were telling me about the, uh, the runners with immune disorders. And again, going back to that feeling of optimism and hope that no matter what, every person belongs in the running community and every person 
can achieve whatever goal they set in their own way. Um, you know, my, again, my inspiration comes from my daughter and I kind of push myself because I've never been a runner. Um, I can't do sports because I'm not coordinated. At least running is just, you know, one foot in front of the other. Um, <laughs> so I never thought that I could achieve these, I guess, athletic goals. Um, and I do like the little air quotes because um, it's more than a, an athletic goal when you're, when you're really in it. Um, so it's just wonderful to think that so many people from different walks of life are achieving these amazing things um, with the help of people like you and your coaches and people who just want to see other runners succeed or other people in general succeed. I think that's the beauty of the running community too. Yeah, it is. I think that's where I always kind of come back to the like, of course, you're a real runner. Pace doesn't matter because we're all going through the same thing. Like we all know how hard it is to get out the door when the weather isn't great. We all know how hard it is to go and do that last interval or how hard it is to run a longer run than you've ever run before. So it just kind of crosses so many barriers. Um, I really love that. And how do you get people to believe that they can do it? You know, I get a lot of, oh, well, I couldn't do that. I couldn't run. And the reality is, is anybody can. I, you know, for me, I'm naturally a small built person um, before I started running. Um, and I never saw health as thin equals health. Health comes in all different shapes and sizes. Um, but people automatically look at me and think that I possess some sort of ability to do things that they can't. How do you motivate people and, and let them know that they can, if they really truly want it, because that's, that's part of the thing too, is you actually really have to want it. Um, how do you get them to believe in themselves? I honestly think that's the biggest thing is I, I don't try to motivate anyone. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really to me, like most of the time, if they're saying I can't, it's because they're in a place where they don't want to, they don't want to run. They're not interested in running and that's fine. Um, I usually just say no one has to run. There's lots of ways to enjoy being active. Um, but if you want to run, there's tools and there's way to to do that. And, you know, I'm happy to, to share some of those. Um, but I really, and truly am not in the business of motivating people is what I've realized. Um, cause usually that's coming from a place where they're currently not interested in running. Um, and so, yeah, I, I will happily point them to resources when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise I think it is just kind of being that support and being that resource so that as people have questions or they start to think about it, um, the tools are there. Yeah. And I guess in and of itself, that is enough to maybe turn someone, um, you know, having the resources is enough to get people to lace up if they're, even if it's just something nagging at the, in the back of their mind knowing how to get started. Cause I feel like people also don't understand that you just have to put on sneakers and go. Oh yeah. We over research it. We overthink it. We're <laughs> yes. There's a lot of like, we overthink it um, rather than just kind of like 
okay, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to walk for a little bit. And then I'm just going to see what it feels like to run since I haven't done that in a long time. Um, and so, yeah, having all the different like couch to 5k couch to 10k, these little plans that sort of remind you like, yeah, you're going to need to walk before you run. I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of people is just go walk. Once you're walking for a while, then sometimes that makes you want to start running and then it will kind of lead into it. Um, yeah, it's getting out of your head when you first start for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting, getting out of your head and out of your house as the weather turns. Yeah. And again, there's just, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. So cool. Maybe during the winter, you really focus on strength training because you really hate the cold. That's fine. Um, and then you feel stronger and less injury prone when the spring rolls around. And about strength training, because you do have a lot of uh, strength training programs. Um, the one thing that I really enjoyed with the core program was uh, you picking up a heavy candle and using that <laughs> as a tool. Does, do you need all of this equipment if you're just getting started on just functional strength training. We're not talking about bodybuilding and really like lifting. For functional strength training, what's the basics that you need? So you can do a lot with body weight, but the truth is that runners need to pick up heavy weights. Um, now, heavy weights doesn't have to mean Olympic lifting, like heavy could be 10 pounds, then 15, then 20 as you progress. Um, but that is something that a lot of runners overlook. Um, especially as we get older, we lose muscle mass, our hormones are declining as women and heavy strength training is the only tool combined with a few other things to really combat that. So start out with body weight though, and just kind of get into a rhythm. Like there's an amazing amount. It's, I mean, push-ups are incredibly hard. Pull-ups are incredibly hard. So there's plenty we can do with just body weight. Um, but then I really do encourage people to start actually lifting weights. So the million dollar question, what does running look like for you moving into 2022? You know, we've got all those end of the year questions. Do you have any big goals? Um, yeah. What do you have to look forward to in 2022? Yeah. I don't really operate that way. Okay. Um, so we'll see what happens. I run about the same number of miles every year, kind of regardless of what's on the calendar. So I think it'll just be another year of enjoying and uh, we'll see what happens. I love that. Um, I think that it's definitely a takeaway. I love using the word mindset, obviously, but it's, it's definitely something for me personally to take away, we kind of set these big intentions and big goals um, sometimes around running or, I mean, in life in general. Uh, but I love that you just run because you love to run. And I think that all the races and everything, especially as people are coming back after COVID to, to coming together um, has become that focus. Um, maybe personally me, I forget that it's just about going out there and, and moving. Yeah, I think the majority of runners are motivated by a race, which is totally fine. I honestly don't know why. I have kind of never been that way. I've always run one or two races a year and always run 1,600 to 1,800 miles. <laughs> and 
it kind of just didn't matter if there was a race or not. And I think part of that was I kept coming back. Maybe it was 2013 ish or something where I just really kind of had this moment of like, I just want to enjoy this. I want to enjoy it for as many years as I can. And so if I want to train for a race and that excites me, I will. But if I just want to run because it makes my day better, then I'm just going to do that too. That really is what I get from all of your posts, that just love of running and moving. Yeah, I really do enjoy it. And that's what I think why I looked and all of your research, to be honest, why I looked at your, your website and looked at your page and I just kind of started looking at uh, all, all the different courses that you offer. It really makes it easy to, for instance, the, like I keep coming back to it, the, the, um, the 30 day core challenge, it's 10 minutes a day. And when you frame it that way, it makes a big difference in a little amount of time. I was able to say it's 10 minutes. I don't feel like doing this, but it is 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, if you are feeling stuck, like I hope you'll reach out, check out our run club. Like it's a great starting point with access to a ton of resources and a lot of knowledge. So even like I said, between the coaches and all the other runners that are in there, it is just a great place to sort of say, man, I have been trying to get out the door and I'm not, or, okay, every time I run X, Y, Z happens and just get some people who get it and understand and can give you feedback and kind of help you get the ball rolling again and moving towards that goal. What sounds nice about the run club is that it, can you be a fly on the wall for a little bit and like, just kind of look and get some ideas and have it motivate you before you actually ask any questions or, or, you know, for sure. I mean, a ton of people, I would say like watch the weekly live every week and initially don't say that much, but then they kind of watch the atmosphere of the group. And it is, it's so supportive. Like, I don't know how we got the most amazing people in there, but we did. It's no one cares about your pace. Everyone celebrates like, oh my God, I ran my first mile. Oh my gosh, I finished my first 5k. Okay. I did the Chicago marathon. Um, even though it was hard and horrible, like we had a ton of runners there. So yes, there's very much just kind of soaking it in, um, getting through the courses and the information. So you can work on your running form if you want, or you can do the strength training workouts and then knowing that it's there when you're kind of ready to step out. And that's really helpful for people who are feeling a little bit timid about running. And again, are feeling like, oh, I'm not actually a runner. Yeah. You had mentioned that most of your coaches are female. Is that by design or it just happened to be the people you connected with? There were a couple of male coaches um, that I would love to have on my team, but they are already fully doing other things. Um, These women just happen to be people who very much held my philosophy um, and that I was really excited about having on board. Um, So initially I was like, I just wanted it to be all women because that is the majority of who we coach. But honestly, there were a couple of male coaches who I just adore. Um, And if they ever leave what they are currently doing, I will be snapping them up. Yeah, it must be super important that 
your coaches hold your values and kind of coach in a similar way um, because coaching is not the same across the board. Some people focus on different things. Um, and what I'm getting from you is how personalized and okay, you're, you're not a motivator, but what you might not realize is through the way you love running and share your passion through that you are motivating people. Yeah. And that is awesome. I'm okay with that. Um, now I will say like with folks, we're coaching one-on-one, we will give you a little more tough love. We're going to try to motivate you because you have a goal. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. That makes absolute sense. And, and you need that too, but it has, you know, I personally work better when someone I trust is giving me tough love. Um, someone who I know is in it with me. Yeah. And so I'm sure you, you build those relationships and, um, otherwise I would probably tell someone to F off. <laughs> like you don't know me. <laughs> yes, for sure. I do not give unsolicited advice. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting. This was, this was awesome. And I, like I said, your couch to marathon plan, um, really got me to the finish line and, when I started marathon training, I was like, I just want to do this as like a, like a bucket list item. I want to say I ran a marathon and that I did this. And now I'm stuck in that infinite cycle of, well, now I can improve. So, um, but I wouldn't have gotten to that finish line if it weren't for that optimism that the couch to marathon plan offered. And I know it's not like a super good idea to get up and decide to run a marathon, but it was definitely helpful um, when coming back from an injury. Good. I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much. And I will post all the information about Run to the Finish and Amanda's um, coaching in the show notes. And uh, hopefully we can talk again and share more of our goals and, and what we're working on. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. get Amanda's book Run to the Finish at any major bookseller or my personal favorite place to get books and where I got my own copy which is betterworldbooks.com as always I would love your feedback please leave your comments in the comments section of course on Instagram Facebook or Twitter or you can even email me at runningonoptimism at gmail.com until next time